Hip hip hooray! It's our 20th episode. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Hooray! Unless you're driving a car, don't do that because you'll, you'll crash your car like Gary did last week. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Man Eaters, episode 20 of the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. Let's let's give a round of appreciation to our drum circle, as always, performing live from my bedroom. African drum circle, big clap. We did it, episode 20, and it's a good episode as well. I hope you're nice and rugged up, okay? I hope you've got a, a big, thick jacket on. I, think you've, I hope you've got your long, Long John's on. I hope you've got a little campfire going because we're getting cold today. We're getting ice, ice cold, baby, because we are talking about not just one, but two animal attacks that happened in frozen tundras, in frigid wastelands, in icy terrains. We are talking about, uh, we're going to call this episode the Arctic Circle of Hell, even though only one of the stories actually happens in the Arctic Circle and the other one's in Antarctica. I just was like trying to be cute with the name. Uh, but yeah, we're going to jump straight into it. But first, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us for our 20th episode. Um, the pod has been going for like nearly six months, I think. Uh, and I've been really having a great time. And I, I didn't think we'd get to 20 episodes, actually. Um, when we first started, it about eight episodes and then kind of just ran out of steam and stopped. But um, from episode eight, we've been going once a week. I've really enjoyed um, making these uh, podcast for you uh, each week. It's it's brought a lot of joy. It sparked joy in my little old brain at a time when not a lot of other things do spark joy for me. So uh, it, it's been a privilege to get to do this. And um, here's to the next 20. Okay, let us now move on to the main story of the day. Well, part, two stories. Let's call it part one and part two. Our first story takes place up north in the uh, in the Arctic Circle, it's an animal that we have not covered before. Uh, we are talking about a polar bear. Now we've talked about sloth bears before. We've talked about grizzly be- grizzly bears before. We have not covered polar bears. Polar bears are the largest terrestrial predators in the pl- on the planet, and unlike a lot of other bears, um, they're not omnivorous. Most other bears are omnivorous. They'll eat fish, they'll eat meat, but they'll also subsist on berries and fruits and stuff like that. Polar bears do not have that luxury because fruit and vegetables are hard to come by in the frozen tundras of the uh, Arctic Circle. These guys eat meat, um, and polar bears are like dash hounds on on crack. Okay, they, they've, they've got a sense of smell that dwarfs almost any other animal that lives on land. Um, they can smell blood from miles and miles away. Their coats are pure white, um, and that is a way to camouflage themselves. Uh, it's very difficult to see a polar bear coming if you are a little seal or something like that. Um, mainly because, uh, you know, it's not just like, <laughs> it's not just still out there. There's snow and there's blizzards happening. And if you're being stalked by a big hungry polar bear, you probably won't know it, you poor little seal. All right, let's get into this. This is part one of our two-part story. Part one, the Svalbard polar bear attack. Svalbard, a cluster of islands located halfway between Norway and the North Pole, is a desolate country of ice and barren rock. There are just over 2,500 residents, almost all of whom live in the Long Yeben Administrative Center. As many as 3,000 polar bears, the world's largest terrestrial predator, live alongside them. Anyone traveling into the wilds of Svalbard does so only after being well prepared with bear alarms, flare mines, and high-powered guns. 
Even though the members of a 2011 British School Exploring Society expedition to Svalbard took these precautions, a famished polar bear assault early in the morning killed one member and severely injured others. The 80-strong group of teens and adult guides arrived in Svalbard on July 23rd with the intention of spending over a month exploring the archipelago. Horatio Chapel, a 17-year-old student at Eton College and an aspiring doctor, was one of them. Chapel and 11 other pupils and two professors hiked to the Von Post Glacier in the middle of the tour. The group stayed on a snow bridge near the glacier which was notorious for polar bear sightings. A huge, albeit malnourished, male polar bear approached the camp in the early hours of August 5th. The tripwires that were supposed to set off the alarms and flares did not work. While no one knows for sure, the most likely explanation is that the bear knocked over a supporting post, dislodging the mind-triggering cartridge. Chapel had just emerged from his tent and was about to stand up when he was rushed by the 550-pound monster at 7.30am. The bear mauled the adolescent around the head, face, and neck, killing him after it reared up and batted him to the ground. The bear attacked again, seriously injuring two of his tentmates. Instructor Michael Reed, who was in control of the group's single firearm, a Mauser 98 caliber from World War II, was startled awake by the warning cries. Later, he detailed carefully aiming at the bear to, to avoid harming any of the young explorers, only for the weapon to fail to discharge. The gun continued to misfire despite several attempts to chamber a cartridge. He called to other members of the gang to fire pen flares in an attempt to scare the attacker away while grappling with the gun. Reed was then attacked by the bear, who knocked him off his feet and bit him on the head. He tried unsuccessfully to tear out the bear's eyes, but was saved when tour leader Andrew Ruck threw rocks at it, distracting the beast. Ruck was then seriously mauled, but Reed was able to reload the gun and kill the beast in that time. The group had chosen tripwire flares over a nighttime watch or guard dogs according to an inquest into Chapel's killing, a decision that resulted in them being caught off guard during the attack when the trips failed to ignite. While it was later determined that the attack would not have occurred if the party had stayed in cabins rather than tents, there was no legal need for this at the time. The group was also found to be missing equipment, including a piece of the tripwire alarm system, although a coroner subsequently determined that the expedition company fails, failings were not to blame for the deaths. While Chapel was killed before Reed attempted to shoot the bear, the poor condition of the rifle they were carrying and the instructor's lack of training in its use definitely contributed to later casualties. The inquest discovered that the weapon's training was restricted to four shots per team member and rudimentary handling instruction. Because of the lack of training, the instructors were unfamiliar with the safety mechanism, which prevented the rifle from being loaded while the safety was activated. Instead, rounds were expelled, which was consistent with Reed's later account in the occurrence. After Chapel's death, more than £250,000 were raised to build Horatio's Garden, an outdoor area for patients at the Duke of Cornwall Spinal Treatment Centre in Salisbury, where his father worked as a surgeon. Chapel came up with the idea of the garden after completing work experience at the centre. So that was our first part of this story. Uh, one of the um, most famous polar bear attacks in uh, in modern history. Um, there have been many accounts of polar bears attacking humans. Um, polar bears 
typically will keep to themselves, but they, they're not actually afraid of people. They, they don't have that innate fear that a lot of other bear species do. Um, there have been uh, accounts of polar bears traveling into towns, uh, walking down main streets um, when they get hungry enough in places like, uh, I believe, like Alaska and northern Canada, um, as well as in Russia. Polar bears are not animals that you want to fuck with <laughs> at all. Um, there is a video on YouTube you can watch. It's from a documentary. There's a guy who's in this, like, uh, what would you call it? Like a plexiglass, a pe a plexiglass um, I think it's a vehicle, but it could just be, like, kind of a tent. Um, and he, he barricades himself inside, but a polar bear has approached and walked up to him and has basically smelled that there's food inside. And it is just rock. It's throwing its entire weight against the thing. It's trying to break its claws in there and, and it's, it's it's finding the weakest parts of the vehicle and getting very close to breaking in and you can see that the guy who's filming the documentary and filming this polar bear up close li literally inches away from this um animal you can tell he's starting to lose his cool a little bit he's actually getting a little bit scared that this uh vehicle might not be able to withstand the bear um so if you can look that up i i don't know what you like bear polar bear you, I reckon if you just search polar bear, that video will come up. It's uh, it's a really good example of, um, or a really good, uh, I guess, explanation as to the power behind these animals. Um, so yeah, very sad for uh, Horatio Chapel who passed away after being attacked on a school trip, which is which is um pretty devastating. Uh, there I've heard also that there are places um in the Arctic Circle, it's illegal to not carry firearms with you. Um, I'm not a big firearms person. You know, most people in Australia are pretty, like, anti-gun. Um, anti oh, that's a bit of a generalization, but most people I know don't love guns. Um, but, yeah, I, you wouldn't catch me dead without a firearm if there are polar bears around. Um, it is a shame that these, this group decided to go with um, the, the trip mine flares uh, rather than a just a simple, you know, guard staying up late or a you know, dogs or anything like that, um, because the flares didn't go off, the group was just caught, uh, with their pants down, essentially, and was just completely, uh, left open to this bear attacking them, um, they're lucky that it was only one person that died and a few injuries, uh, if the gun continued to not fail, the bear could have kept going, there's nothing you can do to stop it, uh, <laughs> at that point, if the gun didn't work at all, and the, the flares weren't going off, it's very possible that, like, there were 80 people in this group. It's it's possible all of them could have gotten killed if they didn't make it away. We're going to move on uh, from the Arctic Circle up north. We're going all the way to the other side of the country, uh, all the other side to the other side of the world, to Antarctica, closer to my home country of Australia. Um, we're going to Antarctica, and we're going to talk about uh, one of, if not the only known case of a human being killed by a leopard seal. So this is part two of our story, the Antarctic leopard seal attack. While snorkeling in Antarctica in 2003, British researcher Kirsty Brown, a member of the British Antarctic Survey, was tragically attacked by a leopard seal. While this was the first documented human death caused by a leopard seal, evidence that this formidable Antarctic predator posed a substantial threat to humans had been mounting for more than a century. 28-year-old Brown was part of a British Antarctic survey crew of 22 people who spent the winter at the Rothera Research Station on the Antarctic Peninsula. The station, serves as the, the station serves as the United Kingdom's scientific presence on the continent, serving as a base of operations for research into biology, geoscience, and atmospheric science. 
Brown was a skilled diver who had previously participated in at least two Arctic Circle and Australian trips. Brown was snorkeling with another research team member at a study site in one of Adelaide Island's bays near Rothera Station when she was attacked by a leopard seal. When she was dragged underneath, she was around 25 meters from the shore. After hearing a scream and seeing her vanish, a second team member on shore launched a rescue boat and she was retrieved from the ocean within 10 minutes. Brown could not be revived, despite her colleagues' efforts in the boat, as they returned to the research station in the following attention of a station's doctor. It turns out she'd been held underwater for roughly 6 minutes at depths of up to 70 meters, suffering 45 different lacerations and other injuries. Her death was ruled as an accidental drowning due to a leopard seal attack, according to the coroner's findings. The British Antarctic Survey Team's safety standards were deemed to have been followed, including a precaution that team members should not enter the water if a leopard seal was present. Before it attacked Brown, the animal had not been seen. Brown may have seen the seal approaching her while snorkeling, according to reports. Scottish biologist Dr Ian Boyd identified three plausible explanations for the attack as part of the investigation into her death. Brown may have been mistaken for a fur seal or another common prey animal by the seal, or she may have spooked the animal and forced it to strike in self-defense as a result of her presence. The leopard seal stalked and killed her in a predatory attack, which is the most terrifying part. While leopard seal assaults are extremely unusual, Boyd closed his comments by warning that rising human activity in Antarctica increases the likelihood of them becoming more regular. Leopard seals are one of the top predators in the Antarctic, reaching lengths of up to 3.5 meters and weighing up to 600 kilograms. They have a similar ecological niche in the Arctic as the polar bear, although they are mostly restricted to hunting in the water, whereas the white bear spends most of its time on land. Their only known predators are killer whales. They have jaws that are unusually enormous for their size, with one-inch teeth. Adults mostly hunt penguins and other seals, while juveniles eat krill, fish, and cephalopods. While Brown was the first victim of the fatal attack, there have been other occurrences that appear to be predatory in nature. After becoming separated from the rest of his crew during Ernest Shackleton's 1914-1917 Trans-Antarctic Expedition, Thomas Ord Lees was chased across sea ice by a leopard seal. Frank Wilde, one of his companions, heard his cries for help and shot the beast dead. Gareth Wood, a Scottish explorer, was bitten twice in the leg by a leopard seal in 1985. The animal tried to drag him into the ocean, but he was saved when other members of his team used the sharpened crampons to stamp on the seal's head. Inflatable boat attacks are now becoming more regular, to the point where researchers are now equipping their vessels with unique guards to prevent punctures. And there you have it, uh, two extremely, uh, well, the polar bear is not super rare, but a very rare attack involving a leopard seal. Um, although, as you just heard, those attacks are becoming more and more frequent due to increased human activity. And, of course, yes, an, an attack from a polar bear in Svalbard. Um, terrifying. Uh, we've talked a lot about what animals are the most terrifying to be attacked by. And I've always said bears are up there and big cats are scary as well. We haven't talked really about where the most terrifying place to be attacked would be. Um, for me, number one would be the ocean, uh, just because the idea of being dragged on the water is so terrifying. But a close two for me would have to be like a Antarctica or the Arctic. Just 
Imagine just being in the middle of nowhere and it's freezing cold and the wind is blowing and you're just being, you're just being ripped to pieces by this wild animal that hasn't eaten in months and is starving to death and you're at, you're at lunch. It's absolutely terrifying to me. Um, so very sad that the, uh, the woman lost her life in 2003. She was 28. That's how old I am. Um, so it, it is very sad. I also, it's just surprising that she was snorkeling in Antarctica, but I guess that was part of her job. Um, leopard seals, if you haven't seen them, give them a Google because they are really interesting looking animals. They're like wolves that live in the ocean. They look big giant dogs. Um, I didn't realize how big they could get though. Um, this one said that it was like 3.5 meters long, where they can grow up to 3.5 meters long and weigh up to 600 kilograms. For those of you in the US, that's that's 11.5 feet and it's about 1,320 pounds. So these are big animals. To be the, the apex predator in any environment, let alone something as um, uh, brutal as the Antarctic, means that you have evolved to become something near perfect. For your only natural predator to be a killer whale, which in itself is a devastatingly effective predator, um, means that you have you have reached the climax of, of what your evolution can get you to do. Um, these animals are massive. Their, their mouths can open so wide, um, they could easily fit a human head into them. I don't know what the crush strength of their jaws are. I, I don't know. Um, she, if, if it was anything like a killer whale, she could have been bitten in half, this woman, but she wasn't. Um, she was dragged 70 meters below the surface of the water. That's, um, fuck, that's brutal. That's really deep. That's really deep down. That's getting to the point where you can't see much anymore because the light's starting to go away. Um, she's lucky that, she, well, she's not lucky because she died, but they're, they're lucky that she made it to the surface at all. Um, yeah, yeah, she probably floated to the surface now that I think about it. Uh, very sad stories. Let's move on now to my favorite segment of the show. We are going to do the scratch of the day. Uh, we've got three stories in our scratch of the day, including one that was sent in by a listener, which we're going to get to at the end. Um, our first one comes from Australia, um, and it's been in the news all week. Uh, a Lake Argyle crocodile attack. So this is the story. A woman has been hospitalized with serious leg injuries after being bitten by a freshwater crocodile at Lake Argyle in far northwestern Australia. The 38-year-old was swimming at Butler Cove on Monday when the unprovoked attack happened, authorities confirmed on Wednesday. She was taken to a hospital and is in stable condition. A two-meter freshwater crocodile was seen in the area soon after the incident, according to the Department of Biodiversity, Conservation and Attractions. Parks and Wildlife staff conducted a conducted a patrol of Butler Clove, Cove the following day, and a freshwater crocodile of the same size approached their boat. Both the behavior of a crocodile approaching the boat and the events of the previous day is consistent with what staff would identify as an animal problem. As a problem animal, I'm sorry, the DBCA spokeswoman said. In order to ensure public safety in the popular recreation swimming area, and with consideration to large community events such as the annual Lake Argyle swim taking place this weekend, staff destroyed the animal. Lake Argyle is home to a large population of freshwater crocodiles. Unlike their saltwater counterparts, freshwater crocodiles are not usually considered to be dangerous, but have capacity to cause serious injuries. Anyone who encounters a freshwater crocodile interacting with people swimming, fishing, or boating is encouraged to report the sighting to their local parks and wildlife service office. As with all animals, freshwater crocodile behavior can change if people feed or interact with them. The animals can begin seeking out people as a source of food and start exhibiting dangerous behavior, the spokeswoman said. 
the public is reminded not to feed or approach wildlife whilst recreating in the Kimberley. Um, yeah, it's interesting. When I first saw this uh, headline, I thought, okay, so saltwater crocodile, not that unusual maybe not even newsworthy. It happens every day, um, as our good friend Clive Palmer, not Clive Palmer, who's the crazy guy with the cowboy hat? Uh, fuck, what's his name? Oh, that's gonna kill me. You know, the one with the cowboy hat, and he's like, oh, all the gay people can kiss, it's fine, but I'm not having any of it, because it's the crocodiles. Uh, that's gonna kill me. We'll come back to it later. <laughs> anyway, Freshwater crocodile is what makes this interesting. Uh, we're taught in school, you know, the freshwater crocodile is the more gentle, smaller, more docile, less harmful version of the saltwater crocodile. But of course, there are still crocodiles and they shouldn't be fucked with at all. Um, but I would venture to say that if this was a saltwater crocodile, not a freshwater crocodile, this woman would not be able to make any uh, statements from hospital. She would be dead. Um, I also saw, like, when I was Googling this story, um, a lot of the follow-up is that there was a bit of, uh, what do you call it, controversy that the Lake Argyle swim was happening the, the following weekend anyway, um, regardless of the fact that the animal had been killed. Uh, people were kind of shocked that, that that event was going ahead, but it did apparently go ahead and uh, without any incident, as far as I'm aware. Um, we're going to move on to another um, terrifying animal attack that happened in the news this week. Uh, the headline is, Great White Shark plunges teeth into Dad and Son's kayak before sending it flying in a terrifying attack. That's a long headline. Here's the story. Daniel Sullivan was out in a kayak off the coast of Hawaii with his son Tristan when he says the shark attacked in the most visceral image I've ever seen. The 46-year-old said he was looking for whales with his son when he struck his when he stuck his camera housing into the sea. Mr. Sullivan then describes how the kayak was struck suddenly from underneath and thrown out of the water. He said, "As I looked down on either side of my legs were the jaws of a massive great white shark. It was the most terrifying visceral image I've ever seen. The impact sent the kayak and all the camera equipment flying into the air and plunging into the ocean depths." Mr. Sullivan told the Daily Star, as the giant shark's teeth dug into the boat, he pulled us back on top of him. As I fell into the water, I was still holding my paddle. I began beating him away from me. He explains how he made sure his son was safe and got back onto the kayak, only for the shark to flip it over again and leave them both terrified. The pair then found themselves lying on the boat with a hole ripped out by the shark, stranded in open sea while the great white circled below. They attempted to swim to shore with just a metal camera housing as a potential weapon should the shark attack again. In a twist of fate that can only be put down to luck, the shark never returned on their panic-stricken journey to the Hawaiian coastline. Recalling the moment they reached the Maui Islands west side, Mr. F Mr. Sullivan said, We were both alive and in many ways I'd felt that I'd been given a second chance. The next day I remember waking up and kissing my wife and three kids so happy I was alive. Mr. Sullivan is now looking to raise £22,343 to cover the cost of his new book featured, featuring the nature photography he took while being attacked in February of 2022. Uh, wow, yes, okay. So that story, not that recently, it was recently published, I believe, but if it was attacked in February 2022, it's a few months old. Still pretty freaking scary. Um, yeah, Great Whites. We'll have to do a story about Great White Sharks um, soon. I think we're going to do the, the Jersey Shore shark attacks from um, from 1915, I think it is. We talked about the, um, 
the summer of the shark in 2001. Um, but the real point of that story is that it wasn't a story, that it wasn't like an anomaly, that there were more shark attacks. It was just that we were reporting them more and then 9-11 happened and we stopped talking about it. Um, but in Jersey Shore, it's kind of like what happened in the movie Jaws. It was an actual shark that was killing multiple people. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll probably talk about that soon. Um, but yeah, sharks definitely up there on the list of animals you wouldn't want uh, to knock you off a kayak. Um, our final story, and this one was sent to me by a uh, listener named Mike. So thank you to Mike. Uh, this is a really sad story. So heads up for that. Um, it does involve a child's death. Uh, if you want to stop listening or skip to the end. Um, little girl mauled to death by lion while on picnic to enjoy Eid celebrations. Also happy Eid to anyone who celebrates that. This happened in Dubai. Okay. Or at least the report comes from Dubai. I, tr uh, I think it was, uh, sorry, I'm wrong. This is a Sudanese family, so I believe in Sudan. A trip that promised joy turned into tragedy for a Sudanese family after their daughter has been mauled to death by a lion while visiting a zoo in Dinder City, 400 kilometers south of Khartoum, local media reported. The 10-year-old is said to have gone out on a picnic with her family to a wildlife park zoo to enjoy the Eid holiday, but was unexpectedly attacked by a lion when she approached its den without paying attention to warning signs, asking visitors to not approach or try to feed the predator. Fueled by curiosity, the victim bent her head towards the den, unaware of the gravity of what she was doing. In that very moment, the lion attacked the girl, causing her fatal injuries. The victim's sister was standing next to her, but miraculously survived the attack. The, fam the victim's family, together with a number of visitors, tried to free her from the clutches of the lion, but all attempts were unsuccessful. After several failed attempts, one of the little girl's relatives managed to pull her bravely from between the jaws of the lion. Uh, the jaws of, this is misspelled, the lion to the hospital, but it was too late. She died on the way to a hospital nearby. Um, yeah. I don't know why I always put the saddest story at the end. It really bums people out. Um, but that's got to be one of the saddest stories we've heard. Um, also, what kind of, like, I don't know much about Sudan, but what kind of zoo is this where you just walk up to like an open lion enclosure? Um, maybe it's more of a safari thing, but if it is, what, what are you doing on a picnic there? Just seems like you're asking for trouble, but um, not to victim blame. Things happen. Um, mistakes are made, but yeah, this little girl, unfortunately, no longer with us. Um, and yeah, I don't know what happened to the lion. There's no information. Presumably, the lion was fine. Um, yeah, I guess thoughts and well wishes go to that family. As with all the families of people um, who passed away from animals in all the stories today, a uh, bit of an interesting uh episode today like lots of the well all of the stories happened recently 2003 for the leopard seal 2011 for the polar bear and then these three stories happening at the very least um since february 2022 um so yeah very very recent i talk about this a lot and i don't want to like harp on it but when we do stories like the Chumpawat Tiger or the Leopard of Rue de Priangle, like um or e even like the the brown bear uh Sakebetsu these these stories happen like up to 100 years ago and it is easy to become disconnected from those stories until you remember they're real people when these stories happen so recently um particularly for me i'm, I'm 28 so 2011 uh, that was only 11 years ago um i remember what i was doing i was like in year 12 so i was probably near the age of the kid who was killed i was the exact age actually as the kid who was killed um yeah, that, I didn't even realize that. If, if, this, if the guy who was killed by the polar bear was still alive, we would be the same age. Um, yeah, far out. It, it does 
put it into perspective when, and it's kind of selfish, but when you can sort of like imagine yourself in those scenarios. And the girl who died, um, she was 28 as well in 2003. So yeah, a lot of young people are passing away from animal attacks. It's just a reminder, you know, we don't own the planet. We like to think we do, but we don't. We're, we're, we're roommates with all the animals on the planet. Um, and some of these animals are bad roommates, but you got to remember, they're just doing what they got to do to live. Um, no animal is evil. Um, only people are evil. Um, and, and it, you know, not to go too off topic, but what people do to animals um, and to the environment vastly outweighs anything any man-eater has ever done to anyone. Um, even the, you know, the chump-white tiger killed 400 people over a few years. It's nothing compared to what... There are hunters who are alive who've killed over 400 animals before. So um, we got to like take that into context, but it doesn't take away from the pain and suffering of these people and their families and what happened. So um, we're going to leave that episode on that really depressing note. And I'm going to just brainstorm ways that I can make this episode end on a happy note. Um, let's see, we could do... Um, we could play a game of uh, Pass the Parcel. We could talk about Wordle. Let's talk about Wordle. I listened to another podcast called If I Were You, which has just kind of devolved into them talking about Wordle for 45 minutes every episode. And I don't hate it. Um, my favorite starting word is audio because you get to use four vowels. And then I also like the word chasm for seemingly no reason. Also the word dildo for obvious reasons. Um, anyway, that's going to be it for the episode. I don't know if that was a disrespectful way to end it, but you got there's got to be some kind of levity here. I'm only human. I'm not that serious of a person. Um, I just want to uh, finish by saying thank you to the viewer or listener, I guess, that submitted that question. Um, if you would like to submit a question, you can do so. Um, you can follow us on Instagram um, at Man and His Podcast or myself at Jimothy Chaps. Um, we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Man It Is Pod, um, or you can email Man It Is Pod at gmail.com with any uh, inquiries, any questions, any th- corrections, because believe you me, I make mistakes, trust me. Um, and you guys do let me know about it. I really like that. Um, so yeah, or if you have any story requests or anything like that, send us an email to maneaterspod at gmail.com. A big shout out to the Patreon, uh, to the people there helping us keep going, patreon.com slash maneaters. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a fantastic, lovely week. Oh, one last thing. If you are around in Newcastle, um, I'm in a show called Puffs. It opened uh, this week. It's gotten really good reviews. It's nearly sold out. Um, but there are a few seats left to the Saturday matinee next week. If you are interested in coming, you can go to the Civic Theatre Newcastle website and snatch up some last-minute tickets there. But if you're going to do it, do it now, because by the time this episode comes out, they might already be gone. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Please stay safe, because as we've discovered, especially today, it's a jungle out there. <laughs>